Good morning and welcome to each one. The title of my message today is Convinced, Committed, and Courageous. A couple of weeks ago, Davey preached a message about the signs of the end times and out of Matthew 24. And some of, he talked about some of the things that would happen as the end times draw near. Some of those things are not pleasant things to think about. Tribulation and pestilence and natural disaster and wars and rumors of wars. And maybe even more sobering for us is it talks about many being deceived by false prophets and the love of many growing cold. And it made me think about some of those things made me ask some questions. Will I be one of those who are deceived? It says many. It says that many will lose their love for the Lord. Their love will grow cold. Will I be one of those? Will I be one of those that fall away? Or he says that those that endure to the end will be saved. Will I be one of those that endure to the end? And I'm asking you to consider those questions. And they're challenging questions to consider. Today, I'd like to look at the life of a man that we read about in the Old Testament. And he was also facing a challenging future, an unknown future. And we don't have a lot of information about this man, but what we do know is that his faith made a huge impact and or played a pivotal role in the journey of the children of Israel. And he was a man that was strong in faith, and because of that, he was willing to stand against the majority opinion of the day. We don't read about him in the faith chapter in Hebrews, but in my estimate, he could be there. Today I want to look at the life of Caleb. I find Caleb to be an inspiring figure. As I mentioned, he was a strong and a courageous man, and I believe he's an, he is an example that we should follow today as we face the future. There's three things I'd like to bring out in the life of Caleb. They were mentioned in the title. One, he was convinced. Secondly, he was committed. And the third thing, he was courageous. First thing we want to look at is that he was convinced. I invite you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I plan to read this entire chapter in the first ten verses of 14. It is a bit of a lengthy reading, but it gives the story well. Numbers chapter 13, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all 
of them men who were head of the children of Israel. Now these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shammuah, the son of Zachor, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Egil, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi, from the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Sushi, from the tribe of Dan, Amelu, the son of Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Volthsi, from the tribe of Gad, Gadul, the son of Maki. From these, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountain and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether they are forced or there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the seasons of the now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahaman, Shisha, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between the two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 years, 40 days, excuse me. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then when they... Then they told them and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that defies its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, 
And we were like grasshoppers in our own sights, so we were in their sights. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If we, only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. This is a familiar story, and I'm not planning to go over all the details of their journey up in and picking up grapes and bringing it back. But I want to think about why did these ten men bring back an evil report, and why did Caleb and Joshua bring back a, a different report, a much different report? Somehow, even though these men had seen the same thing, they had walked the same path, they had seen the same fruit, the same giants, they came out on completely different, op on different sides of the equation. One said, we can't do it, we're going to fail, we will we'll die. The other one said, let's go up right away. Let's, let's take the land. We can easily, well, maybe not easily, but we can, with God on our side, we can take the land. Very different perspective on it. And I want to think back just a little bit. This is maybe a year or a year and a half after um, they were brought out of the land of Egypt. So a year and a half before, all of these men would have been slaves in Egypt. They were under the taskmasters of the Egyptians. And we learn later in um, Joshua that Caleb here was 40 years old when he was asked to go up into the land. So if he was 40 years old, a year and a half before would have put him at 38 and a half to 39 years old. That's right in the prime of a man's working years. He can be putting out a lot of work at that time. I feel certain that Caleb and these men were slaves. They knew the harshness. They knew the bondage that they were under. Exodus 1, 8 through 14 reads, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And the people said 
no, I'm sorry. And he said to his people, Look, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war, they also join our enemies and fight against us and go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them in their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. The word there with rigor has the idea of with cruelty. They whipped them. They were harsh. And that was the backdrop of these people. They were in a terrible place and bondage. But the story doesn't end there, right? The Lord heard their groanings. He heard them and he sent Moses to deliver them. And you know the story. Moses came and there were mighty acts of God. There were plagues set on, sent on the Egyptians, and then things got worse, and the children of Israel were, were required even more. Uh, so things got worse, but then, finally, through a mighty deliverance, Israel got out of Egypt, and it says they plundered them. They took their gold, their silver, and they left, and I believe at that point, Egypt was was devastated, or the land was, was in ruins, basically. That was a mighty deliverance that God worked there. All these men, all 10 of them, all 12 of them, experienced that deliverance. And they left there, they went to the Red Sea, and they found themselves in another terrible and impossible situation. Because here, Pharaoh had changed his mind, and he sent out his armies. He decided he didn't want to lose his slave labor. And so he sent his armies out, and the Egyptians were coming after them, and the Israelites were trapped. There they had the sea on the one side, and the, the Egyptian armies coming at them. And here they were in an impossible and a hopeless situation. But the story doesn't end there, right? God delivered them with a mighty deliverance again. He parted the Red Sea, an unthinkable thing. And the Egyptians walked through, um, excuse me, the Israelites walked through on dry ground. And they got to the other side, and the Egyptians saw this nice little path through the Red Sea, so they decided, we'll come on through too and go ahead and get them. And we know the story. Moses raised his staff, and the waters came back. And the entire Egyptian army was destroyed. A mighty deliverance. All these men saw that. They experienced that. And then a little later, the, the children of Israel faced another difficulty. They ran out of water. And you can't go long without water. And then they found some water, but lo and behold, it was bitter water. It was not fit to drink. And so they were very unhappy about this. And then God provided for them by telling Moses to throw in a log, and that made the water sweet. And God 
delivered them out of that situation. And then they faced hunger. They didn't have food. And what would they do? You can't live without food, especially when you have a, a, a lot of people. God worked another miracle and provided manna for those men and women. Again, they faced no water. And it says they were ready to stone Moses. They were angry. They were grumbling. They were complaining. And God provided water for them again. All those men, all 12 of them, they experienced that. They saw God work. They seen his power. Seven weeks into their journey, they came to Mount Sinai. And there God met them. And it says he came down on the mountain with thunder and lightning. And the men of Israel trembled when they saw that. They were very much afraid. And they said, they asked Moses, don't, don't let God talk to us. We want you to talk to God so that we don't die. And so Moses went up to the mountain for 40 days. And that's where God gave him the law. And in that time, the children of Israel became impatient. And they started to wonder where Moses was. <clears throat> and so in their impatience, they built a golden calf. And it says they worshipped this calf and danced around it. It made God very angry. And it made Moses very angry. And Moses came down the mountain, broke the stones, all that stuff. You know the story. But those men experienced the awesome power of God. They saw him on that mountain. They heard the lightnings and thunder. They seen what he could do. Now, where was Caleb in all these situations? How did he respond? Do you think he despaired when he saw the Egyptians coming up behind him at the Red Sea? Did he grumble and complain when they ran out of water and food? Did he help make the golden calf? Did he dance around it? We don't know those. But I tend to think he did not because of what we read about him later. But again, we do not know. But I believe that in these times, Moses' faith was growing, or excuse me, Caleb's faith was growing as he saw God time and again work, a mighty work in providing for the children of Israel. And here they were. They came up to Kadesh Barnea. And they were facing another impossible situation because they were at the edge of the border of Canaan. And they sent these men in to see what the land was like. And, you know, what they saw was true. There were giants in the land. And the nations that were there were bigger and stronger than them. And they did have fortified cities. But the difference is, 10 of those men saw it through eyes of unbelief, and two of them saw it through eyes of faith. Unbelief says we can't, and there's no way. Faith says we can, and there will be a way. 
Ten spies were tripped up with unbelief. And when they gave their report to the children of Israel, you don't read any mention of God at all. But when we bring God into the picture, that changes everything. When God is part of the picture, it makes the impossible possible. It makes giants conquerable. Faith, like Caleb has had, says, The Lord is with us, and he has removed their protection from them. What a huge difference it makes seeing things through the eyes of faith rather than the eyes of unbelief. So Caleb, Caleb was convinced. Caleb knew God would make a way for them. Caleb was confident. He was convinced. And yes, the people were strong. Yes, they were facing some, some uh, big people, some giants. But God was bigger than those. He was stronger than the people. And God would make a way. And Caleb was convinced that if God delighted in them, he would bring them into the land and give it to them. And it was a promise that he had made to them, and God would deliver on his promise. So how are we today? How about you and I? Are we convinced? How strong is our faith? Second Peter, in 2 Peter it says, We are given all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, God provides everything we need. Later it says, We are given great Exceeding great and precious promise. God has provided everything we need. Do we believe that? Are we convinced that no matter what we face, God will make a way? I know there's times when we face what seems like impossible situations, but do we give in to despair in those times? Or are we, like Caleb, convinced that God will make a way? The New Testament gives Abraham as an example of a great man of faith. Romans 4, 20, 21 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Caleb was convinced that if God promised them the promised land, he was also able to bring them in and to to give them victory over their enemies. The second thing I'd like to consider from the life of Caleb was that he was committed. I want to read a little further in our passage here in, in Numbers 14. Maybe I'll give a little bit the setting. God was angry with these men with these ten men and the children of Israel for their unbelief. He said, why haven't you, I've proved myself time and time again. Why are you failing again in trusting me? And he wanted to destroy them. He wanted to annihilate them. And Moses, the meek man of God, prayed for them and asked God to forgive them. Let's start in at Numbers 14, 19 through 31. 
This is Moses speaking. It says, Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgot, forgiven this people from Egypt, from Egypt, even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now, these ten times, and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. I'll stop there, and I'd like to also read in Joshua... 15, 6 through 9. So turn over to Joshua 6, 15, 14, excuse me. Joshua 14, 6 through 9. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when the when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. I don't plan to talk about the punishment here for the men who chose not to believe, but you know, all those men perished. And if you think about it, what was it? 600,000 men that came out or something like that? It was a lot of men. All those men, every one of them, died in the wilderness. That's a lot of deaths in 40 years. And only two, only two made it through to the land of Canaan. But what I want to focus on here is the, the little phrase in there where it says that Caleb followed God fully. He followed me fully. And then later in, in Joshua 14, it says he wholly followed the Lord. That's a powerful testimony from the God of heaven to say about a man, that he followed me wholly, fully, all the way. Caleb was not a half-hearted man. He, didn't, he wasn't given only part of his life. He was giving all of it. He didn't give up as soon as there was a least bit of resistance or as soon as there was a giant. He didn't turn away from God when he faced a difficult situation. In fact, I believe that was the time when he turned to the Lord. Caleb was fully committed to God. And I believe that that's a real challenge for us today, to be fully committed to God. Fully. What is fully? How much is that? Is that 85%? 75. 
60. 100%. 100% committed. You know, I'm afraid we look around our world, we see church pews full of people who are sort of, kind of, committed to God. Not fully committed to the Lord. And sometimes I'm afraid we look around in the church pews and we think, well, I'm a little more committed than that person, so I must be okay. But I want to challenge myself, and I want to challenge you to consider the question, am I fully committed to God? 100%. 100%, I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do. I'll go wherever he wants me to go. I'll do anything. Fully committed to God. And I believe that as we face the end times, as we face an unknown future, if we're not fully committed, I'm not sure we're going to make it. Because many will fall away. Many People's love will grow cold. That's really challenging for me. Am I fully, 100% committed to the Lord like Caleb? The last point I'd like to bring out from the life of Caleb was that he was courageous Let's read on in Joshua 14, 10 through 14. <clears throat> and now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while, Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said, and Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Jump over to Joshua 15, verse 13. Now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord, to Joshua, namely, Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shisha, Ahaman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. This is an incredibly encouraging testimony. An 85-year-old man, still strong, Still full of faith, still committed, 
ready to take on a mountain, a mountain of giants. And as we heard from Dave last week, if you're fighting a battle, you always want to be on the uphill ground, right? But Caleb was, he was, had to, he had to fight for the mountain. And not only was it a mountain, but it was a mountain of giants. And he was 85 years old. Do y'all know who's 85 in our congregation? Brother Ralph. Yeah, he just turned 85. I just thought of, that was kind of an interesting thing to think about um, as, as I was considering that. But here was a man of God who was still convinced that God was able to help him. He was still convinced that with God's help, he could take the mountain. He could take on the giants. These children of Anak are the very same giants we saw back in chapter 14 that the children of Israel saw 45 years earlier. It says, Shisha, Ahaman, and Talmai. It mentioned them back there. They were still alive, and they were still giants. It was the same giants that the men said, we just feel like grasshoppers. We just feel like we're nobodies. It was those men that Caleb drove out, and he took the mountain. Caleb was a man of courage. He was not afraid to take on these giants. And that is a challenge for us today. As we face an unknown future, as we face the end times, do we have the courage just to, to stand? Hebrews 13.6 says, so, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, helper, I shall not fear what man shall do to me. Also in Philippians 4.13 it says, I can do all things, all things through Christ who gives me strength. I think those are promises that we can claim when we're facing difficult things. So in closing, Caleb was a man who was convinced, he was committed, and he was courageous. And as he and the children of Israel faced the formidable task of moving forward and conquering the promised land, the difference in their faith in God and their commitment to him made all the difference in the world. Of all the hundreds of thousands of men who were delivered out of Egypt, experienced that wonderful deliverance away from the bondage, only two, only two made it into the land of Canaan. That was Caleb and Joshua. So today, as we face an unknown future, a future very likely of tribulation and pestilence and persecution, we too are going to need to be convinced and committed and courageous for the days ahead. May God bless you.